Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of 28 Days Ladier. I am one of your hosts, Sophie, joined as always by the absolutely bewitching Hannah. That was the sound of me making an alligator mouth with my hands and clapping them together. Wow, I feel like we've um, entered fruit fly season, so I definitely thought you were like killing a bug in your apartment. <laughs> that could also be very possible, um, but no, I'm an alligator. Uh, that I don't know if that's a problem that you have, but like <laughs> I feel like every time that it's this time of year, Jeremy and I are both just walking around like crushing fruit flies, like no matter what we do. Um, it's just what you're oh, gonna have to one do. One of my favorite things to watch. In the house. Um, brag, but uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things is that movie with Obama where he killed, where he caught that fly. What? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen it? No, no. Oh my god, you gotta watch it. Where Obama was just like doing an interview. I think it was on Good Morning America, and he was just like, "Hang on a second. and then he sees a fly and he fucking catches it like <laughs> in the air. It is so. Cool. It was during an interview with CNBC, and he apparently said, I got the sucker after uh, yes! grabbing it. I love that. I love that video so much. Okay, it I've is, never seen it, but I will watch it immediately when we're gem. done recording. It's a gem. And we'll link to it in the episode. Um, oh, I love that. Oh. Um, anyway, <laughs> no. So um, I actually, it's kind of funny. In my other previous apartments, I did always have fruit flies around the garbage but in my current apartment that I've been in for over almost two years um I don't have that many issues with fruit flies in here but I will say as I've mentioned Who's before bragging now Hannah okay <laughs> um as I've mentioned before I do live in the laundry room of my apartment and about mm, four or five months ago my old roommate left some laundry in the washing machine, he forgot about it and left it overnight. And now, if someone does laundry and leaves the laundry machine open afterwards, by the time I come home from work, my whole room smells like someone just has been farting in here for 10 hours straight. Ew. Um, so, no fruit flies, but strong Lots of smells. fart stench. <laughs> yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Um... Wow. You know, I feel like um, we've been doing a lot. There's been a lot going on the last couple last couple weeks, last couple months. I think, Hannah, this episode, just based on the subject matter alone, is going to be our most, like, our brunchiest, sort of silliest episode. We've done it a little bit. Um, and to that end, I wanted to plug what I'm drinking, which we don't usually do. Um, but Hannah and people who know me will know that for much of my life. Uh, I could not drink tequila. I had an unfortunate incident trying to drink tequila in high school where a certain friend of mine basically gave me an entire solo cup of tequila. And I had never had tequila, so I didn't know that's what it was. As and everyone I, knows, high school is when you really refine your palate. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. comes to alcohol. Um, so that happened when I was 18, and I couldn't drink tequila until I was 29. So it, it did some damage. Um, I do drink tequila now, and it's really, uh, it's actually probably one of my favorite liquors now. Um, but You're welcome. 
yeah, Hannah was instrumental in that process. But what I'm drinking right now, in fact, is a margarita, but not just any margarita. I'm having a builder's margarita, which Hannah, I'm just preparing you. You might consider this blasphemy, but there is a distillery here in Kansas City that Jeremy and I love. They're called Lifted Spirits. Nope, they're called Restless Spirits. There's <laughs> also a Lifted Spirits. Um, but Restless Spirits is an Irish distillery. They primarily do um, whiskeys. Wait, we went there. Yes. They primarily do whiskeys. They also do a gin and a vodka. Um, and they are the only female-run distillery um, in Missouri. Jeremy and I love them. All of their liquor is great. They also, um, in the before times, before we were in quarantine, they do most of their bottling by volunteer. So Jeremy and I had volunteered in the past. And it was great because you would go bottle for them for like two or three hours and then you got a free bottle of alcohol. Um, so we really love them. And their builder's gin is my favorite gin, hands down. And one of their signature cocktails, if you go to their distillery, is their builder's margarita, which is a gin margarita. Um, and we have their gin at home and we had limes. So I actually just fixed myself a builder's margarita. Um, and for listeners who recall that when you podcast, you have to turn the AC off. Let me just say that an ice cold gin margarita is very delightful in this sweltering sweatbox I'm sitting in right now. Well, I will say that when you started talking about tequila and and I took credit for helping you get over that fear, I was going to say tequila is and has been for quite a long time my favorite right next to gin. So I'm perfectly happy to hear that, and I'm interested in actually trying that myself one day. Well, I'll make you one next time you visit. It's real good. It's a. I don't know if you're a... If you're a, I don't know what kind of gin you like. You know, there's people who like floral gin and people who like the juniper stuff that tastes like Christmas trees. I definitely prefer a floral gin, which is what this is. Um, so it pairs quite nicely with lime juice. I don't know what I am. I just know that when I was in college, I realized I like don't have, I'm like missing flavor receptors in my tongue or something. And I can't taste gin like at all. So <laughs> that's fascinating. I have a lot of questions. So um, when I was in college, I used to drink a lot of gin because it was nice and smooth. It didn't I couldn't taste, couldn't really taste it at all. So maybe next time Hannah visits Kansas City or next time Hannah and I can hang out together, maybe we'll record a special piece of bonus content where Jeremy and I host a gin tasting for Hannah and we record her reactions. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and this one tastes like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Hannah, before we get into the movie we're actually discussing this week, I just wanted to create some space for both of us to really just like perv out in a real way. So... Um, there is a film from 2006 that meant a lot to both you and I and our brother Ryan when we were growing up, um, that I have not revisited in quite some time. Although I do definitely remember rewatching it in the last like five years, probably, although I couldn't tell you with who or why. Um, and the way As I- As if you need a reason. <laughs> right. The way I often explain this movie is like the- I know that there are a lot of uh, people, especially my contemporaries, for whom the craft was like a really seminal movie. 
And like before everyone gets up in a it, like gets their hackles up, I love the craft. The craft is amazing. But I didn't see the craft until I was like 27. So I didn't have the same experience that folks had who watched it in high school where it was like, this is amazing. Look at these like badass women being witches. It's great. The experience I had in its place was I watched a little movie called The Covenant directed by Rennie Harlan where it was less like, yeah, look at these empowered women. And it was like, look at these sexy, sexy boy witches. <laughs> um, so Hannah, you and I had the chance to rewatch The Covenant together via Zoom this weekend. Uh, what was that like for you? Um, it was glorious, um, as I hoped it would be. It was especially fun because I also watched with my boyfriend. As and, did I. <laughs> and for most of it, he was like, what's going on? What's happening to you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why are we watching this movie? Whereas um, my partner was like, you make so much sense to Like, this makes so much sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's also funny because I also, like, I remember feeling when we were watching it when it first came out, like, and I was in, like, middle school. I remember watching that movie and being like, wow, like, that's a man. And... Mm-hmm. Watching it now as an adult, I was like, wow, these guys are so young. <laughs> oh, that's a baby. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's a little baby. Um, like, even the lead guy, I was like, wow, is he even, like, I would believe it if he was, like, 19 or 20. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I was just like, wow, very different, um, very different. That said, the scenes of them at swim practice still gave me um, confusing sleepover feelings. <laughs> so that still worked for you, as I like to as I like to call them. <laughs> I, I think that's a great analogy, like a great way to describe that. I want to know um, who your favorite witch was when we were in high school, and if it's changed. That is a good question. Um, I, my favorite was always Reed. He's the blonde one. Mm-hmm. He's, He's the, the bad, bad boy. boy. Wears the <laughs> fingerless gloves. Um, he kind of reminded me of Spike on Buffy. Mm-hmm. And I think rewatching it, he's still my favorite. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I feel like in Either high him school, or maybe Sebastian Stan, because. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, like, in high school, I was always torn between Reed and Caleb, who was the, like, stand-up, good guy, like, leading man. Classic angel. Yeah, exactly. Supporter. And, like, (laughs) well, that's what I was going to say is I'm someone who, like, loved Buffy and Angel and loved Buffy and Spike for different reasons. And I loved both Reed and Caleb for different reasons. But watching this movie as an adult, I was like, Sebastian Stan all the way. Like, this guy is just like doesn't give a fuck he's like kind of a brat he's got uh, a like goal I, he's driven <laughs> if i actually met him in real life i would want to punch him in the face but like i'm here for how ridiculous his performance is like i think watching it as a teenager it was like deathly serious and that i was like there's no way like fuck that guy he's the bad guy and watching it now i was like yes like sebastian stan just like with the weird jokes and, like, creepy puns and just, like, 
I'm all about it. He also has two of the best lines, the two best lines in the movie, one of which is, ooh, witchy, and the other <laughs> one is, I'm going to make you my weach. How about I make you my weach? Even better. Even better. Oh, my gosh. Love it. I love it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I think also because I've grown to love him more in his more, like, in his actual roles and as, like, an adult, um, that that kind of came into play watching him in this, when it's like, wow, we didn't even really know who he was when this came out, and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of funny to go back and see. But in terms of what you said about um, liking both, Buffy with Angel and Buffy with Spike. I just want to say um, that's fine, I guess, as long as you <sighs> never say you liked her with Riley. <laughs> no, 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 honey, no. As long as we can all still agree that Riley is terrible, we're in a good place. Um, I like someday I'm going to get you to listen to Buffering, um, but it's really great because one of the hosts of Buffering thinks like they're both queer women. Um, one of them thinks Riley is like a, like thinks Mark Blucas is like such a hunk and she's like a Riley apologist and the other one fucking hates Riley. (laughs) And, um, one of the, like, if you're a person listening to us right now and you like Buffy, please go listening to Buffering, uh, the Vampire Slayer. It's just like awesome, like feminist, queer readings of Buffy episodes, like one by one, which probably sounds like, oh, that's going to be like academic and stuffy. It's not, it's like super funny and just like, it is by far one of my favorite podcasts in the entire world. And one of the hosts is a musician. So they do a song at the end of every episode to like recap the Buffy episode and they're all bangers. But one of the other like shticks of the podcast is Jenny writes, um, writes jingles for different characters and the jingle (laughs) Jenny is the host who likes Mark Blucas and Kristen who is not a musician does not like Riley she hates Riley so her she wrote the jingle for Riley and it goes if I can remember it goes Riley you are kind of like cardboard your opinions best to be ignored no one cares you're a TA so please please go away if that doesn't convince you to listen to buffering I don't know what will um (laughs) but yeah like not not here for Riley at all good (laughs) (laughs) um and actually, the reason that we watched uh, The Covenant, even, I mean, we again, like you said, we don't really need one. It's a great movie. But the, the timing of it worked out in such a way because I was asked by our dear friend Valeska, who uh, runs Anatomy of a Scream, um, to contribute to their squad talk for Pride Month and talk about uh, queer horror movies that I enjoy. And The Covenant was like, oh, we got to get that in there because it has, like, all of the... Um, just like dripping thirst of Lost Boys, but like came out in a time that was contemporaneous to when I was like, oh man, like horniness is a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Well, and um, it's kind of funny, like, uh, you know, also when you think of when that movie came out, like people were probably still saying like that's gay as a slang term. Um, yeah. And that being okay. Uh, so it's interesting too, because there's a lot of 
veiled homoeroticism in that movie mm-hmm. that, like, I always think of, um, there's a podcast called Homophilia, and it's got uh, Matt McConkey and Dave Holmes, and they interview different LGBTQ people about their experience, um, just their experiences kind of growing up and um, kind of figuring themselves out and in dating. And uh, Dave Holmes, if you're not familiar, he's a classic MTV VJ. Um, and a goddamn delight. Yes. Uh, and he tells this great story about how he remembers in like 2004 or five going to a New Year's Eve party that was hosted by Lance Bass. And when he got there, Lance Bass was wearing like satin harem pants that had a slit that went from like the ankle to the thigh and a fur vest. But in Dave Holmes's mind, and Dave Holmes is a gay man, like people were just like not, people were not as accepting. People were still not like out in the way that they are now. And Dave Holmes was like, I saw that. And it didn't even occur to me then that Lance Bass was gay. <laughs> he was like, that's how closeted we still were in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny to think about this movie also, like, coming out in that same era. For sure. Because I think, like, there's definitely uh, some problematic, mass- like, toxic masculinity in this movie. But there's also just some, like really beautiful male friendships and, like, frankly, a lot of horniness between Sebastian Stan and Caleb in particular. Yes, he's Um, like, give me your powers. I just used that girl to get to you. mm -hmm, So much grunting. mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to make you my weach. You're probably (laughs) listening to this episode and thinking we're uh, reviewing The Covenant, but we're not. We're actually (laughs) reviewing the uh, summer blockbuster from last year, Alexandra Aja's Crawl. Now, uh, Hannah, since you hit it up last week, I'm going to go ahead and give the synopsis for Crawl if you're okay with that. Yes, go for it. Also, I think that we should also try to make it the summer blockbuster of this summer because this movie deserves so much more viewing than I feel like it's gotten. (laughs) Yeah, this movie deserves a lot of love. Um, And, and you know, we're all stuck inside anyway, so might as well... Watch it a couple more times. A hundred percent. I love it. Okay, so Crawl is a movie, like I said, directed by Alexandra Aja of Mirrors and High Tension and the Hills Have Eyes remake fame. And the movie is about a young woman named Haley, played by Kaya. Let's see. Good luck with that. Scotalario. Scotalario is how I'm gonna think it's pronounced. Um. She is a student. Just call her Effie from Skins, because that's who she'll always be to me. Okay, that. Um, We can also just call her Haley. Her name in this is Haley. So, Haley or Effie from Skins or Kaya uh, Scodelario is a young woman. She is a college student at the University of Florida. She's on the swim team. She's a really good swimmer. She's very competitive. Um, You may note that Florida. Uh, University of Florida, home of the Gators. That might be relevant. So (laughs) she gets out of swim practice and her older sister Beth calls and Beth is sort of like, hey, have you heard from dad? I'm worried about him. There's a tornado blowing or a hurricane blowing through. And um, 
haven't been able to get a hold of dad. So it is clear from the jump that Haley and her father have sort of a tense relationship and that the, uh, the parents are divorced. Mom is in Paris with her new boyfriend. Um, Beth, it seems, probably lives somewhere farther away. So it's really kind of on Haley to to handle this situation. So she decides to drive down to the town that she's from, presumably somewhere uh, south along the um, Gulf Coast of Florida, to find her dad. And she goes to his apartment, and he's not there, but his dog is. So she takes the family dog. She goes to the old house that they use, the family home, um, which he has been remodeling to sort of get it on the market. The His truck is there, but she can't find him. And in the process of looking for him, she goes down in the basement. And I'm going to say right off the bat that it's really not a basement as much as it's a crawl space. Hence <laughs> the name of the film. But it's like a, you can't really stand upright. You have to crawl around. It's dirt floors. You know, like it's mud floors because it's there's a hurricane, so everything's wet. Um, and it's just sort of like when you look at a house that has like it's raised up a little bit, but there's kind of brick underneath the top level, they're inside of that. So you can kind of see out the brick holes, um, but it's dirt floors and you can't stand upright. She finds her dad down there. He is unconscious and has been wounded. And while she's trying to figure out what's going on, she learns there is an alligator in the crawl space. It is what injured her dad. A massive alligator. A massive alligator. So the rest of the movie is Haley and her dad trapped in the crawl space as it is filling with water, trying to get out. And there are uh, multiple alligators in the crawl space that are keeping them from getting out of the crawl space. So they're sort of like trying uh, against all odds to survive when their options primarily are to drown or be eaten by alligators. <laughs> um, so also, slight spoiler that there's more than one alligator. <laughs> well, you know, you heard it here first. Um, so I, I saw this movie last summer um, when it was in theaters. It was very painful for me to not get to see this movie with you. Hannah and I love watching shark movies together. And this is like a shark movie on land. So um, it was a real bummer to see it without you. And you had not seen it yet. So I was really looking forward to getting to watch it with you. And you and I this past week watched it over Zoom with several of um, our friends and that was a blast for me because not only is this movie fun, but like after you've already seen this movie, watching people react to this movie is even better than this movie. Because like this movie has so much so much tension and so many good jumps that like <laughs> I wish I had filmed all y'all's reaction. Um, but Hannah, this was your first viewing of Crawl, so tell me what you thought. Um, so I have to say, like, I really enjoyed it, and I was even, like, I, I figured I was going to like it, but I also expected it to be kind of garbage, but fun, mm -hmm. and then right. watching it, I was like, oh, no, this is, like, actually, like, pretty good for what it is. Like, when you talk about a movie about um, father-daughter combo trapped in a crawl space during a hurricane and there's alligators. And family tension. Don't forget the family tension. Yeah, don't forget the family tension. You're kind of like, okay, well, that sounds absurd. Um, which it is, but it works. <laughs> like, the movie does a great job with that premise. Um, and making it, like, really, like, some real scares in there. And... Mm -hmm. 
I think it is imperative to, um, like, I can't personally talk about alligators hunting people or scary alligator scenes in movies or anything without expressing how I have a deep-rooted fear of the alligator chase scene from Jumanji. And if no one is familiar with that, they should... It's absolutely on YouTube. Like, pause the podcast and watch it so you can see what I mean. It's the scariest shit. It's like when the house is filling up with water, it's toward the end, everything's going crazy and like Robin Williams and the kids are floating on a table and there's these giant alligators and even though they're animatronic alligators and it's like 1998 movie magic um it still scares me (laughs) when I watch it yeah it's it's creepy well and it's just like tense it's like it's scary um, and it's, like, really fucked up to be in a kid's movie. Also. Yes, exactly. Like, it's really Back scary when kids for... were men, Hannah. That's right. Back when kids were men. Um, so, uh, yeah, so going into this movie, I was excited and also really scared because I was like, if it's anything like Jumanji, it's going to scare the shit out of me. Um, and I have to say that I was happy with how much of it reminded me of that how parts of it I thought were maybe even like unintentionally or I pray intentional like nods to that scene of that movie um Mm -hmm. but I had a great time and I was really scared um and I will admit that halfway through the movie I smoked a little bit of weed um (laughs) so also I got high right before um, a reveal of sorts. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> like, what reveal? Now I have to know. Spoiler alert. I don't alert. know if, don't know if I want to say it because I really want people to go watch it and I kind of want that to be a surprise. Well, okay, so let's take a break right here. I've already spoiled that there might be more than one alligator. I think if you are okay. a person, honestly, no matter who you are, go watch this movie. It's just like fun and like, high energy and Alexandra Aja is a really competent horror director who can build tension really well. Um, please go watch this because we're going to talk about spoilers. Okay, Hannah, what reveal <laughs> happened when your weed kicked in? So basically when my weed kicked in was right around the time um, that the guy got like ripped apart by like five different alligators at once (laughs) you're talking about the police officer who gets off of the boat to check the onboard motor yeah and i was like can i just say like can i just say that like i don't know a lot about boats i feel like june (laughs) diane rayfield right now i don't know a lot about boats but one of the things i know about boats is that a boat like that you can like pull the motor up out of the water yeah like because if you're propeller got jammed like that and you were in the middle of the ocean you couldn't just like get out and walk over to it mm-hmm. so i just feel like um that guy deserved it <laughs> like i don't know why he got out of the boat it seemed unnecessary that's like a famous scene in that movie piranha too where um the i think it's what is it ving ving rames he like pulls the motor up first up like 
up and down to kill a bunch of piranhas, and then he just, like, rips it off the boat and uses it like a chainsaw. Um, but, yeah, I I had oh, a really good shit. time. I, and, and just um, so you know, Alexandra Aja... Al, sorry to sorry. Alexandra Aja directed Piranha 3D, so that may have been like an intentional nod <gasps> to Piranha. Oh no way! Oh, that's so funny. I didn't know that, and yeah, that totally <laughs> that connects. That guy did not know how to use the um, motor as effectively. No. Um, but yeah, I I had a really. I thought it was so fun. I think the pacing is really good. I think the the relationship with the father and daughter is sort of like you can take it or leave it it's kind of like but I think that it does it in a good way where you kind of need that just because it's a movie and you want it to be somewhat fleshed out but you know the audience isn't really there for that it's there for the alligators to kill some people and do some crazy shit so I think this movie gives you exactly what you want (laughs) In a good way. Oh, 100%. Um, Even though I have to admit, uh, like, I don't even know if this story will make sense to explain it, but it's an important part of Sophie's and my uh, history. (laughs) Sophie knows I feel like I'm just, like, cringing with shame and guilt as you tell the story. It's so funny, though. I love this story, even though it was horrifying. Um, So when Sophie and I were... Uh, growing up, we had an above-ground pool in the backyard at our mom's house. And I'm not sure. I think we were in college or maybe we were definitely in college. Yeah. Yeah. And we had some friends over one night and um, some weed was smoked. Mm -hmm. Um, And earlier in the night, I had just recently rewatched Jumanji. And earlier in the night, I was talking about how scary the alligator scene in Jumanji is and how much it still haunts me. (laughs) And um, later on, we decided to go swimming in the above-ground pool and at night. So, and we didn't, like, we never really went in our pool at night, so it wasn't like we had lights or anything out there. So it was pretty dark in the pool, but we were... As established, like, Hannah and I are kind of huge wimps. So, like, we, and I think some of our friends were definitely like, ah, this is, like, really fun, but also kind of scary. Like, we were not, like, super chill and relaxed, you know? Right. Um, but basically, at some point, I made a turn where I was like, this is great. I like being in the water when I'm kind of high. Um, but everybody else was like, it's freezing, and it's dark, and I'm scared. <laughs> and we want to go inside. Yes. And, like... Hi, Hannah was like, the pool is the best. Let's stay here forever. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, you know, my one of my best friends has gone on record saying that if we're ever someplace at a party or something and he can't find me, he's like, she's always in a body of water. <laughs> yeah, bathtub, uh, sink, puddle, sink. <laughs> anything. She's going to be there. She'll be there. I'm the happiest I'm the happiest in some body of water, but um, unless it's like open water, and then I'd be scared. Hannah, just like you're, you can't find Hannah at a party, and then she's just like sitting in the middle of a crowd of people with her hand in a glass of water, like, <laughs> like her whole her whole fist, just like just dissolving. smiling, eyes yeah. closed and smiling. Um, oh, that just reminded me of something. Oh no! Sorry, quick tangent. So quick, I promise. 
You know how like uh, they that's like a sleepover trick. You put someone's hand in a glass of water and then they pee everywhere. I have heard that. Yes. Okay, so the reason that made me think of this is that when I was leaving work today, every day when I leave for work, the little boys I nanny come out on the back porch and wave goodbye to me, and shout really sweet things like "I love you," "I'll see you tomorrow," "Have a good dream," <laughs> like other stuff like that. Um, and it's a big production. It's a thing we do every day. Today, when I was leaving, out of nowhere, while their mom is backing up the car to drive me home, the boys are standing on the porch and waving, and the older one just <laughs> peed himself so <laughs> aggressively. Like, the pee, it was like his water broke. Oh, like this honey. pee just like shot out of his pants, but he <laughs> completely ignored it and just kept waving goodbye. And me and his mom were like, what is happening? <laughs> oh, that's so cute and hilarious. It was so cute. and so sad all at the same time. And then as we as we were about to pull away, we see his dad like go to say something to him and just see him like kind of sink his head and walk inside <laughs> anyway sorry so anyway hi hannah is in the pool she's having a great time everybody else is done and they want to go so at this point i am alone in the pool and the last person has gone out of the pool and is drying off on like the little like above ground pool deck thing getting ready to leave and sophie is standing on our adjacent actual deck of our house telling me that I have to get out of the pool and I'm like no it's great in here and then Sophie and perhaps one of the cruelest turns in history in terms of a sweet character on a television show (laughs) Sophie looks at me or rather just beyond me like just past my shoulder she's like whoa what's that And she scared me so bad that I, like, jumped. I didn't even use the ladder. I, like, jumped and climbed out. I got so scared that there was a fucking Jumanji alligator behind me. (laughs) And Hannah spent the rest of the night, rightly so, yelling, You Jumanji'd me (laughs) at me. And she still says it from time to time, and it still makes me feel like an asshole. I mean, as it should. It was really not a nice move. Hey, so. you got me out of the pool, right? And that was the I mean, right I thing did. to do. I did. I achieved you my goal. You could just leave me in the pool by myself. <laughs> and and I actually, like, I have, I used that recently when my boyfriend and I had smoked together and he hadn't said anything for a while and it started freaking me out that he hadn't said anything. Mm-hmm. So then he kept looking at me and shrugging, Ugh, but, like, purposefully no. not saying anything. Right. And so I started screaming at him, you're Jumanji-ing me. (laughs) When, like, somebody reveals their fear to you and then you immediately use it against them. (laughs) I love it. So that's become common parlance. Please feel free to use it in your own lives. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So for me, watching this movie and also being a little high really added to my experience because every time... I'm watching it, and I'm, like, I'm right there in it, in that moment of Sophie convincing me for, you know, probably a millisecond, but in high minutes, like, an hour, that there was an actual Jumanji alligator behind me in our parents' above-ground pool in Delaware. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, not a, not a great move. Um, but this is like this is this is gonna be great timing. So we do, we never do this. Um, some movie podcasts when they discuss a movie, they like play you the audio from the trailer, which like I almost always am like I don't care. But I'm gonna do it to you guys because the audio uh, mix and editing for this trailer is so amazing um, that like truly I just want to play it for you. And if you don't want to listen to it, that's totally fine. You can skip ahead. Um, but they do a really awesome thing where you get your sort of generic like plot stuff at the beginning of the trailer. But then what they do as they move forward is they take the sounds of like um, water dripping on the pipes and Haley winding up the um, wind up flashlight to kind of like create a beat that creates a lot of tension. And I think from the moment I saw this trailer and I know that trailers are usually not done in house and a good trailer doesn't mean a movie will be good and a bad trailer doesn't mean a movie will be bad. Um, but like this trailer got me so hyped. So if you'll all indulge me, I'm just going to play this for you for a moment. The state of Florida has issued a category five hurricane warning. All residents must evacuate immediately. Grab your families, your loved ones, and get out. Dad! We won't be able to come for you. Dad! is the trailer for Crawl. And like, I know I hate when podcasts do this, but the fact that they take like the the sound of him pulling out the tape measure to sort of track how quickly the water is rising, they make the water droplets sound like his watch ticking. It's just like a flawlessly conceived trailer that I think manages to both give you the plot without revealing too much and just builds 
tension in a way that I thought was is pretty phenomenal. So, so there's that. I really like that trailer. Literally listening to that, I makes me want to watch it again. <laughs> right? No, same. I, like yes, it's so same. good, and it kind of reminds me of the trailer, one of my favorite trailers of all time, but the uh, trailer for the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, all, uh, produced by Sam Raimi, as was this movie. Yeah, it does some similar uh, effects with, like, uh, creating a beat from different, like, sound effects from the movie. Um, Speaking of which, we need to cover the Evil Dead remake. Oh, yes. Any day. Especially because my boyfriend, I showed him the trailer once, and he was like, I will never watch that movie. I'm too scared. And I would love a reason to force him to. Um, (laughs) But I also... um, a realization that I had while I was watching the movie and then I was reminded of just now listening to the uh, clips from the trailer is that Barry Pepper in this movie sounds kind of like Martin Short and uh, Matthew McConaughey had a love child. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have to go listen to the pot, the, uh, the trailer on my own after this. And I wish I had that. brought that to your attention while we were watching it. Um, Hannah, earlier you were saying that you felt like this movie didn't necessarily get like the love and viewership that it deserved. And I wanted to let you know, since we sort of decided to cover this movie impromptu and we didn't, we didn't know we were going to cover it when we watched it. So I don't think that either of us did the kind of like prep that we usually try to do. I did want to let you know that, at least according to the IMDb trivia, uh, it says that out of all of the movies that were released in 2019, Quentin Tarantino selected this as his favorite. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> so, like, say what you will about Quentin Tarantino. Like, I think there are beefs to be had. Uh, but he is a person who, like, loves film and knows a lot about film. So it's not just us. Uh loving on this movie and I would be remiss to not give a shout out to friend of the podcast Andrew um who really really loved this movie such that when we were in uh Florida for my 30th birthday last summer the beach house that we stayed at had like one of those inflatable alligator pool toys um and we took a picture where we were like defeating the gator uh because we loved crawl so much and we wanted to like uh be drunk nerds about it so (laughs) (laughs) yeah I just I like I feel like I am now going to become personally responsible for getting more people to enjoy this movie yeah I mean I hope so the one of the things that that like I want to get to your point because I think this is such a good point and something that's worth digging into like you and I love shark movies and for me like I think we can agree like this fits into the same category as a shark movie. It's like, it's still an animal. It's not like a, uh, unnatural monster. And, and it has a lot of the same tropes that a shark movie would have, except that alligators can be on land as well as in the water. Um, but that being said, like you and I went to see the shallows together and there are aspects of the shallows that I was like, that was really fun. But the movie as a whole was not a good movie, and there was lots of stuff that I thought was uh, a bummer about it. Um, mm-hmm. 
And like you and I have since then seen several theatrical releases. It feels like we're living in like a golden age of like summer uh, theatrical shark releases, which I'm all about. Um, but like, you know, we saw, I think we saw 47 Meters Down together, did we not? Um, yeah, we did. And we yeah, saw that's the what bag I thought. together. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. So like all of those movies, um, of all of those movies, like I would argue that 47 Meters Down is the closest to being a good horror movie, being a good shark movie, not feeling too unreal and being fun to watch. But I think even with all of that considered, like I think that Crawl does all of that better. Like um, the effects, though they are CGI, um, are really good. <laughs> like I thought the they did a good job of like, the alligators looked like they had like weight. You know what I mean? Like I think a lot of times CGI effects look yeah. like they're like weightless yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like floating. Oh my god, they were so good. They were so good. And also like the kills in this, um mm-hmm. the effects that were done with that too, so that they were I mean, this is gonna sound weird to say, but there's like a depth to it. Like mm-hmm. it's not just like, you know, in a lot of shark movies, it'll just be like shark jumps up and chops the person or you know grabs them and yanks them or whatever and this it was like you could like hear bones breaking see things exploding and shattering like the there was sort of like these like um i know that my friend my other friend john who dances um you know when you do like hip-hop dancing and i'm gonna sound like such an idiot but when the way that certain people, when they dance, they can kind of manipulate parts of their body very quickly mm-hmm. to, to um, like, downbeats. You wouldn't always, that most people wouldn't always hit when they're dancing, whatever. Right. It's called a beat kill. Um, but the kills in this movie were, like, beat kills because there were, like, f- like five steps to the kill, you know? Like, it would, It was, like, you're zigging and zagging and breaking and <laughs> ripping. And, yeah. <laughs> and, like, it was... That really added to the overall effect and, like, success of the movie being, like, really, like, freaky. And, I mean, I was, like, jumping out of my skin at times in a great way. I can (laughs) confirm that's true. Uh, Hannah was by far the most fun person to watch while this movie was happening. Um, Like, there was literally a part where my partner turned to me and he was like, is Hannah okay? Because, like, she... Like, jumped up, and then she fell down, and she hasn't moved in a while. And I just want to make sure she's okay. Um, no, I think that's that's a really good point you make about the kills. I think that, like, with a... Sh- Listen, I love a shark movie. Sharks are one of my biggest fears. We both saw Jaws at a super young, impressionable age, and it really fucked me up uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I have a pretty significant shark phobia because of it. However... Like, there's only so much you can do with shark kills, right? Like, right. It's gonna be, it's gonna be basically the same thing every time. And I think that this movie does a great job of like making the most of all the ways that an alligator could kill you. Like, so first of all, they obviously have land and water as environments, which is great. And there was a lot of discussion during our movie watch party about how much of the uh, biological stuff about alligators is accurate or not. Like, there's a lot of stuff in the movie about how 
they can't like they can't see very well, but they can hear. What was it like? They can't hear super well, but they can see super well, and they can see in the dark. And like they they they're very slow on land, which it turns out is not true. So if you're gonna try to like run away from an alligator, they can run real fast. So just bear that in mind. Make sure you zigzag. I've heard that's helpful. Um, but like. I think this movie does a good job. It really takes full advantage of all of the like opportunities to do horrific stuff. And they make really good use of, of two things that alligators really do, um, which is like chomping onto something and shaking their head super violently to like beat their prey, um, like into unconsciousness basically. So like we get a really like great feels like a weird way to say it but like when when Haley first gets attacked or maybe it's the second time they both get bit a lot but when she gets attacked the alligator is like hurling her body around um and it's really scary because oh just uh you can hear her bones breaking just banging her into pipes yeah smashing her into walls it's like super violent and again I think it speaks to uh, how well done the CG is because if the CG were not done well, that sequence of her getting thrown around would not carry much weight for like for lack of a better word. But because they do a good job on the alligators, like it hurts to watch her get shaken like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing, and I, was, I, um, you, oh, just you mentioning. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, you mentioning the thing about us trying to look up alligator facts while we were watching this movie um, goes to my theory that um, I think this movie was conceived at a party where people were drinking or smoking weed and one person was like, dude, alligators are crazy. And somebody else was like, really? And then they Googled alligators and like took the top like five Google facts and we're like, I'm going to make that into a movie. Cause a lot of it turned out to be pretty true and pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it was very accurate and they use one thing that they use a couple times to great effect is the way that an alligator will grab its prey and then sort of like drag it underwater and just basically do barrel rolls to like disorient and partially drown its prey. Um, like there are one or maybe two sequences where a gator gets someone and takes them underwater and starts spinning really fast. Um, and it's so scary. And listen, I am an avowed shark fearing person. <laughs> I'm terrified of everything shark related, but there is something so scary about the idea that like, not only is something twice your size with like the strongest bite force on the planet, biting into your body but it's also spinning around at a high speed so that you're super disoriented and like can't tell which way is up so um, like even if you got away you couldn't get out of the water because you don't know where to go yeah um that is also a great uh basis for have you ever seen the video of snoop dog narrating nature documentaries <laughs> No, but I cannot wait to hear where this is going to go. I'm just going to say, you know, when we finish up here, um, look on your phone and watch it because there is an an altercation between um, an alligator or a crocodile and, like, several, I think it's, like, sea otters maybe? Um, It's some kind of small 
mammal. Um, but his is it an reaction, otter by chance? I I think it is. I just found the video. It was a segment he did on Jimmy Kimmel Live called Plazanet Earth with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yes. It's great. His reactions and commentary to the uh, interactions of the animals are hilarious. I will definitely link that in the show notes. That looks delightful. Um, yeah, I mean, shoot, Hannah. I don't have notes for this movie, so... <laughs> I'm trying to think of other things. Do you have anything else you want to say about Crawl other than please go watch it right now? Um, no, I think there's actually, like, so much more I could say. Like, I would love to get way more into, like, the individual kills and, like, how I thought they were really inventive and... Um, yeah, like, really (laughs) fleshed out. Um, but I also feel like I don't want to spoil it too much because I think an element of surprise is a good part of watching this movie. So I feel like I kind of just want to send people on their way to experience it for themselves. Although I will say the gas station scene with the girl in the boat is amazing. Straight Jaws vibes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just like it, it ha- all happening in the background is like so solid. And it's great because one of our friends that we watched with was like, that kill was like unrealistic because like it was silent and the guy didn't hear it. I was like, well, but it's not that it was silent. It's that they're in the middle of a hurricane. So he couldn't <laughs> hear it. Like, it's not that she was making no noise. She was making a lot of noise. But, like, it's so loud that he couldn't hear it, which, like, is what makes it so scary. Exactly. It's, like, that makes it even scarier. Mm -hmm. Because it's also just, like, it's not even that you're just being attacked by an alligator. You're in the middle of a hurricane. (laughs) Yeah. And it was great because watching this movie. That's, like, a whole added element of scary. (laughs) Right. And watching this movie, it was really great because there was an there's a moment where the um, a siren goes off, and I was like, "Oh, this is the siren that means the storm surge is coming." And Jeremy was like, "What's a storm surge?" And I was like, "Oh, let me tell you about a thing that's gonna scare the shit out of you." Um, and so, like, listen. I, I am not a scientist, and I feel like I'm not going to do a great job explaining this, but essentially the idea of a storm surge is, like, when a hurricane happens somewhere that's near a coast, you have the flooding associated with, like, the, the torrential rainfall, where, like, water levels in general are just going to rise. But if you live near a coast, there will often also be a storm surge, which is a tsunami-like phenomenon where... the water level changes dramatically and basically a huge surge of water comes in. Um, And, and so I thought like they use that to great like narrative and dramatic effect in the movie, but it was also just a cool, like it's interesting because in this movie, it's clear that they did their research as far as uh, hurricanes and alligators. And they took some artistic liberties, but I think like, they did enough to make it feel very grounded, which is part of what makes it feel so um, good and rewatchable on top of being fun. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, Hannah, how many Bloody Marys out of five would you give to Crawl? Ooh! You know what's so funny is every time we do this, I always forget that I have to do this at the end, and then when I get to it, I'm always like, oh, I, what am I going to do? I love um, that. I love that. I announce it, I, and I also forget until I announce it, so. Yeah. Um, I feel very, I almost, mm, I almost want to give it a five because it's just so fun, um, but I so rarely give out fives. I like to keep it, you know tough tough competition in that slot so if it's allowed which it is because our grading system is so all over the place i'm gonna just strict and scientific (laughs) i'm gonna give it four bloody marys a beer back and a shot of gin which is basically a (laughs) 4.75 You're like having your own hurricane party over there. I love it. <laughs> um, I am going to give this movie four and a half hurricanes, which I know is outside of our purview of the general rating system, but it is still a red beverage, so I feel like it counts. <laughs> um And my Hurricanes specifically would be from Pat O'Brien's in New Orleans, the originator of the Hurricane, so you know they're good. And strong. And strong. So strong, the fountains at Pato's are on fire, literally. (laughs) They are not a sponsor of the podcast. We just love going there. (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah, they're not at this time, but that's not to say they couldn't be. Yeah, hey, Pedos, hit us up. We would love to talk about you and your flaming fountains. Uh, So for our In Ladier news this week, uh, it's not strictly news, but it feels like it basically is, so we're going to count it. Uh, Nia DaCosta, or Naya, I don't know, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name, Naya DaCosta, who was one of the writers and director of the new Candyman film, which is slated to come out later this year, tweeted... uh, today uh candyman at the intersection of white violence and black pain is about unwilling martyrs the people they were the symbols that we turn them into the monsters we were told they must have been and with this tweet she includes a clip which i presume is likely from the film of um paper yeah, it's a teaser okay great yeah paper cutouts sort of telling the backstory of candyman and so, um, it, I mean, in genre news, it's horror news that a new, t- new teaser came out. But I think, like, the way that she's framing it within the current moment is really important. Um, I can't speak for you, but Candyman is, like, one of my all-time favorite horror movies. However, uh, it's not without its problems when it, when it comes to issues of race. And so I'm really excited for a new imagining of this story. And Hannah, I thought you'd be especially interested to know that um, M.A. Fortin, the writer of podcast favorite The Final Girls, uh, commented on her tweet and simply said, stunning. Nice. Uh, so keep yeah, it, everyone gets stoked in the family. for fi- 
yeah, so everyone get fucking stoked for Candyman. It's going to be really good. And I feel like a, um, a remake of Candyman produced by Jordan Peele, led by a black woman, is very much the movie we need in the 2020 that we're living in right now. Yes, and I'm sure I've said this before, and I'm going to continue to say it because I am shameless, but my friend is in it, and I'm really excited. (laughs) So, Hannah, I know that we in the past have plugged uh, your new philanthropic, philanthropic shirt company, but you are getting ready to release some new designs. Do you want to tell our listeners about them? Um, yes. So I am, um, venturing into, um, well, so when I set out to, to start, uh, I was mostly just thinking of Chicago and I was mostly kind of feeling, um, myself feeling a little stuck and feeling like I had more free time on my hands and like I wasn't able to do as much as I would like to do. So when I imagined it, I thought of it more as like, I'm going to do this thing where I can make shirts, which is something I love to do. Um, but specifically that benefit Chicago charities. Um, uh, but more recently I've been thinking more about it. And especially after, um, uh, one of our more recent podcast episodes and we were talking about, um, trying to find the best way to be an ally um, for the Black Lives Matter movement um, and how to be active in it in your own way. So I have decided to um, start making some new shirts that will kind of go beyond um, just the realm of Chicago, I hope. Um, so my new shirts are just going to say, um, we are better together and I'll have men's shirts, women's shirts, t-shirts, sweatshirts. Um, and for those shirts, it will be a higher percentage of of the profit. It's actually the entire profit, um, will be going to, um, the charity unicorn riot. Awesome. Awesome. Um, if you want to get in touch with 28 Days Later, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at 28DaysLady underscore ER. You can also send us an email. Uh, our email address is 28DaysLadyer at gmail.com. I think that's it for us this week, Hannah. This was an especially brunchy episode. And as always, it's fun to get a little tipsy and talk fun movies with you. Yeah. And um, I also forgot to say, because I'm so bad at plugging things but my uh shirt website is called bettershirts.org it so. sure is and we'll <laughs> we'll put that in the uh, show notes it was in our show notes for el orfanato but i will re-add it to these notes as well cool cool thanks bro <laughs> so uh hannah do you want to send us off into our weekend of uh hopefully socially distant maybe quarantined brunches um i would say always pee after sex um Always uh, pull your boat motor out of the water to check it. Rather, <laughs> always than pull out. <laughs> always pull out. That goes. <laughs> that goes well, except for no. Use contraception if you're worried yeah. about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. 
And um, click, click, <laughs> and please wear your masks.